This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 27th of October 2023. I've just woken up. I've had less than one coffee. Well, guess what kind of mood I'm in today? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Good morning, Sean Priest. Good morning, Stephen Scott. I love <laughs> the honesty in that intro. You know what? You owned it, and well done you. Oh, I didn't set the alarm. Uh, the dog was meant to go to doggy daycare this morning. Uh-oh. That didn't happen, so she's now lying here. I think she's a bit... Annoyed. I, I did give her her little biscuit, bone-shaped biscuit, Bonio. to try and sweeten the deal. But um, even that didn't work. She no, just, was just looking at me as if I was. Not, I wasn't meant to be here today. Why am I here? Why are you here? What's going on? The look of disdain on a dog's face. There's nothing worse. They're not yeah. angry, just disappointed. Especially in a Labrador's face, right? That's pretty. That's pretty oh. heart wrenching when you think about it. It's kind oh, of gut wrenching. Oh, stop it. Filling up there. Like, These dogs are supposed to love you no matter what. <laughs> she doesn't love me anymore. It's funny. Uh, anyway, you can't even hello. see their faces, but uh, I, I can know. Just, you just feel it. I can just it. picture it. Yes. All it is is projection. That's what, all <laughs> it is is projection. Uh, but yeah, we're here. And um, yeah, yeah, we're here. Loads of <laughs> feedback to get through. Thank we're, goodness. We're <laughs> Thank goodness you guys send in so much feedback because. Uh, I don't know if I could talk for an hour this morning. Although in saying that, you know what it's like. Once we get going, we'll, we'll be warm fine. Up. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, the coffee. See, I've got the coffee. I have it in my table coaster. Did I mention my table coaster? By the way, uh, the no. best ever uh, way of not spilling drinks on a table, Jean Priest. Something you might want to invest in. Just saying. I, well, as a professional, I do not bring any drinks into the studio, Stephen Scott. So uh, no. Well, we all know that's a lie. I know, it and is. you're lying. <laughs> To the listener, because I've heard the cans rattling around in there. It's no, like you're inside one giant ball pit, but it's no, all cans. No more cans. I have in my hand the double tap um, water bottle filled with refreshing uh, water. Not not the limited edition double tap mm. water bottle. Did anyone ever get those? Remember, we were sending those out to people. Did we ever send them out? Sorry, was that my my department? I don't know. I just, I think I, I think that was a Mark of Lalo department. Oh, if I'm yes, perfectly good. honest. He's not here, so yes, it was definitely Mark. Definitely fault. him. Yeah. Well, blame him. We should get some double tap merchandise, though, shouldn't we? We You've should. Been what saying what this could we for have? A while, I know, but man. what could we get? What would people want? That's the question. Let oh, us God, know. We're going to get emails. Oh, Feedback no. at doubletaponair.com. What merch would you want? <sighs> This is why I need to have more coffee in the morning because I, I start saying things like this and then I wake up the next morning. It's like having alcohol. You know, the next morning you wake up and you go, what have I done? 8,000 emails of suggestions of what merchandise I should create. Um, but yeah, seriously, know. get in touch. Yeah, yeah I'm interested. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Jaws is out uh, as a Zoom text and Fusion. For 2024, the new versions are out. That's cool. What's with all these new updates dropping? Um, yes. So, have you been using the beta of Jules 2024? I have, I have not. No, well, you know me. I'm not a Jules user currently, although I do <laughs> recognise and I'm happy to admit it's a great screen reader. Uh, I just wonder. Oh, what's that's new- big of you. Well, I know I am a big man. I just wondered mm, what was. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I just wondered. You're, gonna, you're not going to get me to defend you this morning. I'm sorry. If you're looking for that, you're in the wrong place. I just wondered, Stephen Scott, what's what's the killer feature in 2024? Is there a um, standout? 
I think there's two, right? There's two major features. And the one is uh, being able to know where your head is in position on camera through JAWS. I think that is going to be a huge feature. I like that. Yes. I love that. And, and I know that I was thinking about the app that Ben Mustel-Rose did a couple of years back, the Can You See Me app. Can you see me? Yes. No, I can't. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's like the blind AI. Is it? Is, can you see me? No. Um, that's what Josh should say. I mean, that would be funny, right? People would laugh at that. Uh, but anyway, so you've got that feature, and then it will help you uh, center yourself on screen. That's pretty cool. Hey, if you're on the Mac, there is a version called Centered Head. Weird name, but I suppose it is exactly what it is. It's your you're head centered sensor. on screen. Yeah. And, and, and like Can You See Me? Both of those apps run in the background. Now, I don't know how the JAWS one will work. I'll be intrigued to play and try it. But the way it works with the Can You See Me and Centered Head is it kind of runs in the background. So you could have Zoom open well, or Teams open or whatever, well, and then you can have ha- it running. What? Well, hang on there, Stephen what? Scott. Not the case on Windows. You cannot, you cannot share a webcam, just as you can't share audio sources on Windows, usually. Uh, you cannot have a say the camera app and um can you see me running at the same time because you can't share the webcam i don't think i had that problem sorry oh well you're special windows obviously which de- defies all well, laws because that, rules. that was the whole point of can you see me the whole point was it would run in the background it didn't run along it ran alongside your video conferencing app that was the whole point of it well, no, no, no. I use it to centre myself up beforehand, then I close it down and open up the app that I want to use. Mm. No, oh, okay, hey, it may have changed. Sorry, I'm in a mood this morning. Can you tell? Yeah. Um, so no, but on the Mac, <laughs> I'm in a very silly the, mood today. On the uh, Mac, but, you can yeah. with centred yeah, yeah. head. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to go back and try that, Sean Priest. I, I wonder if that's a webcam specific thing. Oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe yes. Because you've got I, that install link, haven't you? That's the one you use. Yes. Fantastic Maybe it just grabs. camera, by the way. Fantastic. That's one thing I really... I, I can't... Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad I cleared that up in my own well head. Well done. Um, we don't know. No, but I, I just... I don't understand Windows sometimes, this whole sharing resource. Why can one machine struggle so much with it and the other one doesn't? The Mac doesn't care about that stuff. Yeah, I, I must admit, it is kind of annoying. See, I... I did mention that it's the same with microphones, but there's times where we can be on a WhatsApp call and in clean feed at the same time, or even on Zoom at the same time, and it's absolutely fine. But other times where mm. that absolutely won't happen. But I've never managed to get the webcam to be active in two apps at once. And of course, for the people who use Braille displays, you're going to love the new split Braille feature, which lets you have two windows side by side on your Braille display. I think that's going to be pretty cool. And for people who, I mean, this is obviously maybe for people who are maybe. in... Maybe, I think, in, in the jobs where they're using, you know, the 80-cell Braille displays, that would be pretty cool. 40 cells say, a window. Wow, that'd be amazing. I want a 160-cell display. <laughs> now, it, was, it makes total sense. I must admit, as someone who hasn't used a Braille display, I do often think, isn't that just really restrictive? You know, like the 20-cell and things like that. Isn't that really restrictive to slowing you down, really? But it doesn't seem to be. Well, having people... a split like that and sort of seeing no, not, not 40 even into split. 20. I mean, just even having just 20 cells of information available to you at one time, it just seems really re- restrictive. But obviously well, it isn't. I'm just no, saying... I, and I also think, if I'm honest, if you use contracted Braille, that's really the answer, right? If you, those people are using contracted Braille probably. Of course, yeah. And I must admit that one thing that it taught me when I'm as I'm going through this Braille course is the difference in length of content when you go from grade one to grade two, or, you know, from contract, uncontracted to contracted, because 
I was doing a page of reading, and it was the entire page was taken up with this particular paragraph or whatever it was. And then I went to the contracted version, and it was like two lines. And I thought, wow, that's kind of impressive. You can that's see amazing the difference, right? So it really does. It shrinks everything down, which is – and obviously that's the whole thing about reading faster, and it helps you read faster and, and so on. But it does allow you to get a lot more onto that line. So the more I get into it, the more I can understand how those smaller Braille displays work. But there does – I think there, and I'm not going to start an argument on this, I promise you, this isn't a divisive thing, I'm just saying. But, you know, I, I think there's possibly an ideal number of minimum cells. Like, my Focus 14, I think, is great. I love it. I love the size of it. But I kind of yearn for more cells. I think 14 is maybe just a little bit too small an amount. It's good for notes, uh, maybe good for a message, but I don't know if it's good for much more. You know, you wouldn't do many more tasks that you would want to focus 40 or a focus 80 at that point if you were doing some serious work i would have thought um but I, i've often yearned for the 32 cell braille display because that was the one the first one i think i ever tried was a 32 and i thought this is a great size it's a nice size and almost number of braille cells so anyway uh right speaking of that subject sean Preece, uh we're going to move on because i want to pick up on an email that we got from dan now, you might remember a couple of weekends ago, we replayed an interview with Adi Kushner. Now, Adi Kushner is from Access Mind, and uh, that's an organization, that, and Adi is an individual who has been working alongside Orbit Research to develop the Optima Braille laptop. And this, of course, has spawned all kinds of interesting conversations between uh, Sean and I and you and I around what exactly the next version of this kind of product might be. So we've had Braille displays, Braille note takers. Now we're moving to move on and we're going to have Braille laptops, which will be essentially a 40-cell Braille display with a QWERTY keyboard and a Windows PC built in, but with suitable hardware. And this, of course, has created, I think, a new tier. So Addy talked about this with us, uh, and we replayed that interview recently. You guys have been uh, getting in touch following that interview uh, to uh, give us your thoughts. And Dan writes in. Hi, Stephen and Sean. I enjoyed your conversation with Adi Kushner. I agree with his analysis of the problem, but have concerns about the solution. I question the need for a specialised computer with a QWERTY keyboard and a built-in Braille display. We already have the Mantis, and it is possible to buy small computers without a monitor. I don't see the difficulty of carrying around a Mantis and a small computer in the same backpack. Before I would consider purchasing the Optima, I would like to see the following concerns addressed. I'm not familiar with the framework environment, but would like more clarity about what the developers mean by modularity. It's great that a potential buyer can configure their own devices, but how would these components interact with a Braille display? Though I like the idea that a user can choose which Braille cells to use, I would think this would increase the possibility that functionality may not be reliable. Who and how would repair the computer or Braille display? Would the user be able to use the computer or display separately? Since the Optima will be a custom-designed device, could it be certified to work in an office or educational environment? How will a blind consumer justify the purchase of the Optima to an employer, rehabilitation counsellor, government agency or educational institution when there are other Braille displays which work with computers in office or school environments? If I understand the situation correctly, the cost of the Optima would be more than the cost of a computer and separate Braille display. How will the Optima communicate with other devices like phones and computers using different operating systems? I've never heard of a Windows computer communicating with a Mac or Chromebook. 
How willing and able will Vespero be at providing technical support to JAWS users of the Optima? Vespero already has a Braille display. I would think that the presence of a special note-taker shell might make the development of JAWS scripts more complex. How will the Microsoft Disability Help Desk support users of the Optima unless they have technicians who have the device and are trained in the use of assistive technology in Braille? I can imagine challenges when Microsoft tries to help someone troubleshoot problems. Will Google and Apple be willing to certify the Optima even though it is in direct competition with the iOS and Android operating systems and devices? What happens if a Windows update breaks some functionality of the hardware? I recently experienced an issue where the sound driver for my HP computer stopped working reliably when Microsoft implemented a Windows update. Since the device is modular and there are multiple software options, I can see the potential for scope creep. I've never heard of a product which offers a complete assistive technology solution. Will the device require specialised documentation and training? We already have a shortage of assistive technology trainers. If the Optima functions as advertised, will blind people feel the need to learn how to write on a Perkins-style keyboard? I would hope there would always be an affordable and compact device with a Braille keyboard a person could use to write notes or communicate with a mobile device. We have had many computers with built-in Braille displays for the past 30 years. I had a DOS-based computer from Baum, which was quite expensive, though it met my needs for five years. It's now gathering dust. None of these devices were supported long enough to justify the considerable expense – Baum computer cost $14,000. Developers of these products have always claimed that these devices would have an upgrade path and that hasn't happened. Developers of these products claim that there are no compromises. I especially fault Vespero for making bogus claims about the Packmate and El Braille. Wouldn't resources be better used to developing products we don't have rather than reinventing the wheel by developing a solution in search of a problem? I would rather see cheaper Braille cells than a new computer. Wouldn't it be better for Orbit Research to release a product when advertised, considering the possibility that parts may not be available? The more products a company manufactures, the more likely there will be product delays. I hope this discussion continues and we'll be interested to see if the product works as advertised. Dan. Hmm. Now, Dan, a lot in there and a lot of questions, which I'm going to take as rhetorical because there's no way we can answer them. Um, But I do want to tackle a couple, and one is around the uh, device itself. Now, one thing we know about this product when it ships, and it will ship apparently in early, mid, <laughs> some point, 2024, yes. right? It's coming out 2024. Um, we know it's it's being sort of powered by Framework, which is a company that creates laptops that can be, I guess it was built under the whole right to repair thing, wasn't it? That, you know, you could change things, you could a- adapt, you could modularize your computer without having to go and buy a brand new screen breaks you can replace it on a laptop that kind of thing Um, and I think that's all great and I I think as long as we see that as a foundation I think that's a good thing Um, so therefore all the other questions about what resources we'll need and how you know long term will this be supported look any company can go south at any point right I think that's fair to say you know we I loved my Packard Bell computer back in the day, but, you know, I'm not pining for its loss. Um, that will happen, you know, and that, that, that computers go. Computers come, computers go, they get bought up by other companies, things change. That's fine. Uh, I think, though, what you're picking up on, Dan, is, is the bigger problem that is our community's problem here, which is that we are often offered solutions to things that involve a lot of money and there's no guarantees at all. 
Now, it's difficult to give those guarantees, but equally, there is no guarantee. And it's it's like everything we buy, let's be honest about it, as blind people in the specialist space is a bit of a risk. You could buy a Focus 14 or a Focus 40 and then they stop supporting them or they stop selling them. I think the Elbrail is a good example of that. Um, yes. You could buy a humanware or something or other and then humanware goes under and that's it. You know, and there's no more humanware products and, and that can happen. I mean, we've seen example after example after example of this happening. No one wants it to happen, but it could. So I, I think there's always that risk. And if you're worried about that risk, if that's your main concern, don't buy the product. I think it's as simple as that. Come up with an alternative solution. But if you're looking for, if you're talking about Braille displays, we're obviously talking about a very small market here. And I know I keep saying that, but it is. And in, and I say that not because I believe it to be and forever will be a small market. I think it's because that is how it is targeted. I think it's targeted at a small market. It could be targeted at a wider market of people. The affordable Braille display, the, the holy Braille, as people keep trying to use this phrase to associate with different That's things. That's very good. Yeah, the Holy Braille is actually a cheap Braille display that everyone can afford. You know, you, you're talking $500, $400, you know, $300 even. That would be the kind of ideal solution. I think the closest we've gotten to this are products like Hable One and the Orbit Writer. Now, they don't have displays in them, so that's the whole point. The, the cost can be lower. But, yes. you know, that Perkins Entry input keyboard is available out there. Um, it's the display that continually eludes us in terms of cost, we just cannot get that cost down, it would appear. Yeah, um, I agree. I think a lot of those answers to your questions there, Dan, are it's Windows. Um, all the support will be there as normal. This isn't actually... It, it's sort of like you said, Stephen, it's a new tier. This isn't really a specialised a, a specialist tech, as in you can buy a framework computer anyway, mainstream. It is a company and it's doing very well actually um the the difference here and the whole concept as you said about framework is the modularity so you can pull out a usb you know the io module and swap it out for something else that's the whole selling point so the extra thing that that they're doing here is adding a braille display for convenience so you shouldn't have any problems with getting support from Microsoft. This isn't a specialist device as such. This is basically, it's got the Braille display built in for convenience. That's it. Well, so, no, I'd argue, I think it is a specialist device. I mean, in the no, sense I, that the Braille God. display is making it the specialist device, right? It's not, it it's is, not going to be bought by Joe Blogs no down difference Best between, Buy. It's no difference between this and having a laptop and a separate Braille display. The only difference is that the Braille display is slotted into the, the body of the laptop. That's the only difference. It's still a Windows laptop. I mean, you could, I suppose, make the same argument for the L Braille, but the L Braille was a specialist laptop itself, as in it was manufactured by a specialist tech company. I would argue that this isn't. This is a generic I, mm, laptop. No, I, I, yeah, it's from framework. I don't think that means it's a generic. I mean, they're obviously having to customise some of these parts to, for example, have customizing the, the chassis. The, to yeah, yeah. Add so to, that's yeah. that's the customized part. That's the unique part about it. So, so all the internals are mainstream. Yeah. 
They, yes, they are, that's right. They are the framework motherboard that they are using, which has all these special high-speed connectors. The whole point of this is that we are now getting the same hardware specs as anyone else paying that kind of money. We're not getting eight-year-old hardware, like the Elbrel, for example. So we are playing on the same level playing field as anyone else buying hardware, but the difference being that they've added the Braille display into it. So I think it is slightly different. It is a strange one, though, I will absolutely admit, uh, where it sits in, the, in between those two mainstream and specialist tech. But I think the questions that Dan raises around whether or not this is something that, you know, will be here long term and, you know, I think, that, again, I go back to my point about the fact that any product can disappear overnight. Well, it's a and fair point. Absolutely, it's a fair point. And it's, you're it's, always taking a risk. And yes, it is. the problem is for us, it's a bigger risk because the amount of money being poured into it is larger. It's considerably larger. You know, if we were saying, hey, it's a new Dell XPS and it's great, you know, and it's got, you know, uh, big bump-ons on it for blind people and everyone goes, oh, that's cool. And okay, I'll buy that version then. And then everyone buys that version and then Dell says, okay, we're discontinuing it. Okay, it's not great, but... You know, you know you've got the support. You know you've got the the long term you know, support for the product itself, and you haven't spent as much. You spent the same as everyone else, and I think that's the slight difference. I think it sticks in our craw a little bit because we're paying thousands upon thousands more for a product, and when it does go, we're not guaranteed of the long term support. I think that's what Dan's getting at, and I get that. But yeah, that I is would the agree. risk you take, I think, with this. That's a risk with anything, though. And the difference here is that you could take this. Let's say that the um, Orbit research say, right, that's it. We're, we're no longer supporting that. You could take your this laptop to any PC repair shop. There would be absolutely no problem here. It's not put together in a specialist tech kind of way. The only difference is it's got a Braille display built in. They could still take it out, change the motherboard, do whatever they wanted to it. What do you what do you think about Dan's point? It's an interesting one. The point about stop making these products, focus on bringing the cost of Braille cells down. Actually, put investment into that. You know, let's find a new agree. way. I must. I think I'm with that. Actually, I think I'm with I that. Don't, I don't agree with stop making these products though, because how many decades are we into Braille now, waiting for this? magical cheaper braille cell and even with this whole new work into you know when the orbit reader was announced and this whole consortium got together we're going to make a change it did make a change but i would still argue not enough where what sort of price is an affordable braille cell i don't know if we're ever going to hit it I, I just honestly don't know i mean the orbit project certainly seems to be getting closer to it but there's no denial that there are problems there are a lot of these products going back, and they're not. There are issues with some of these Braille cells. So, I'm not saying it's the cost necessarily that's a problem. Well, there's a lot. But I read a lot about different we, people sending lot, people also, back. I also read a lot about Focus Forties going back and Braille, uh, Braille, Braille Note Touch as well. I, I mean, the only thing I ever read usually is the complaints about it online. Well, that's right? all you ever it's read, right? Yeah, no, one's, you... no one's saying, hey, I've had the best experience of my life with this device. It's lasted me 50 years, and I have no complaints at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you might hear that now and again, but what I'm saying is, is, is there a real issue here with the Braille cells from Orbit Research? Because if there is, then obviously no, I'm, it's, I'm not it's suggesting not pursuing. I'm not suggesting that there's any major issue or concern, or you know, there's not some major manufacturing issue. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm saying is that there are people. I'm I'm seeing a lot of conversation 
about these particular products going back. And I think it's interesting because there is there is a question here about what when we lower the cost, what does that do to the product? And have they found the answer to that yet? Now, there's the, the interesting thing, of course, with the Orbit project is they are looking to provide options when it comes to future Braille displays, at least in terms of the Optima. You will have, I can't remember the name, is it Piezo or something? And then there's another type. Yeah. I think there's the Orbit version, and then there's the other type. And there's another, I think there's another type on top of that. And I think this is a good opportunity to almost try these things. The problem, again, is we're always having to beta test this stuff. We're always having to, to buy it mm. and, and, and test it. It's the only way around it, right? It seems to be anyway. I yeah. don't know. It's such a difficult conversation because we're, we're really we're, – we're at a stage where we're, we're spending a lot of money – and I don't think anybody has found a good solution. You know, there's not, there's not like an Apple or a Google solution out there when it comes to Braille. There's lots of different options, tons and tons and tons of them. And it feels like we're kind of in the in the 90s. You know, when you used to go into a PC store and there's like 800 computers scattered all over the place from all different manufacturers and types and specifications. And, you know, in the end, they all disappeared and we were left with two or three choices. But the difference and- being they were all running Windows or Mac. Yeah, but but we eventually whittled down what people didn't want and what people didn't find useful and what wasn't working. And I think we haven't got there yet with Braille displays. I think it's probably because it's still, in some respects, a still a fairly new market. I know that Braille has been around a long time. I know Braille displays have been around a long time, but the technology hasn't changed much. Orbit tried to disrupt that. and I Arguably, they did, yeah. And I, I think they did, and certainly in terms of price. You know, and, and you know, and I want to say, you know, as much as there are people who are sending theirs back, of course there will be, and we'll hear about those complaints more than anything else. But I'm sure there's plenty of people, and I want to hear from people who are using Orbit products. How are you getting on with it? Because I'll tell you one thing: the the quality of the Braille is fabulous. I I have to really respect the fact that I love the they call it the signage Sign. quality Braille, and it really is incredible. For some people, it's too sensitive. For me, it's brilliant. I feel it's it's like really. So I always think it's like my vision's been sharpened, you it's know, because when I'm touching, it, yeah, <laughs> that's it, yeah, bold text, bold braille, that's it, that's what you should call it, because um, it's actually really good for that, you know, you can really feel those cells. I love that. It could be argued that actually they're a victim of their own success. I mean, what actually are the sales figures for Orbit readers? I mean, because if there's a bigger market out there, then obviously the returns are going to be bigger as well. And that's a really good point. Yeah. So. I don't know. Again, it's... it's we don't it's, get numbers on these things, so we, we don't that, know. That's the exactly problem. Exactly right, yeah. If they sold two and they return two, then that's not great. Yes. If you sold, If you sold a million and, and, and six go back, then that's fine. It's all actually. about that's the percentages. Normal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, bear in mind we're forever taking every other product we own back, so, you know. Um, well, you yeah. are. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> not for faults, I should say. No. Um, but uh, yeah, and I say this, of course, with my little Orbit writer. We're still in, in negotiations on this one, trying to figure out what's going on. I have a feeling a software update may solve all this, but we'll see. Um, I, I thought it was a really, really interesting email, Dan, though. And also yeah, the, thanks, Dan. the point about getting products out on time, I absolutely agree with, because that does shake your faith and confidence in a company. Yeah, well, look, I, I put this straight to the to Orbit, uh, the Orbit CEO. Ventakesh Charia, I said to him on this program, I said, look, you know, you guys are are like the Tesla of Braille displays. You know, it's like, you know, we, we see it, we want it, but we can't get it. Can we get yes. it? And that's something they've got to fix. You know, that's something that, because that, that, you're right, it does. It, I don't think, it doesn't shake my confidence in any way. 
makes me kind of want it more. That's the problem for me. I kind of think, ah, I want this thing. You know, I mean, the, the Optima, yeah, but... I really do want to get my hands on with the Orbit Speak. I'm desperate to play with as well. Um, because I think it's, that's going to be a really interesting product. The Orbit Writer, I mean, it's funny because you might think, well, after my experience with the Orbit Writer, I'd be feeling negative. But actually, I don't because I had hands-on with the Reader. And I actually thought the, the Orbit Reader was an incredible device. I actually wish, and this may never happen, but in America, you've got the, uh, what is it called? The NLS e-Reader, the e-reader, National yeah. Library Service e-Reader. And this is something that's being adopted by states. So states will individually be, you know, sort of buying these in. And then they have them, and then they can uh, these can be handed out to blind people, which I think is an excellent scheme, and it doesn't get anyone near the credit it deserves, because this is putting Braille into the hands of people who may not be able to afford it. That is how you get affordable Braille into people's hands. Yes. Um, so that that is probably the best solution so far. There may be a better one, but I think that's a good one. Yeah. And I kind of hoped, in a way, that Orbit might go down the same route with governments outside of the, well, maybe even in the US, but certainly outside the US, it may have been the same thing. Um, to be perfectly honest, it seems like APH and HumanWare have got in there first with the US government, or maybe they just that was their intention all along. I don't know. But you they don't know what's going there. on behind the scenes anyway. No. There may be negotiations going on all the time. Yeah, but they certainly got there. They got the they NLSE did. reader in, and that's yes. good. Um, and that's a nice little 20 cell braille display. It's the chameleon, isn't it? That they're. Working, they're basing that off, Honestly, and um, yeah. it's a really nice piece of kit. And then you, you've over here. If we had something in the UK similar, again, if the government would get involved, but yeah, I'm not going to get into politics. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just say I think there's an election next year. It'll all be fine. Um, <laughs> right, moving on. Uh, coming up next, more Braille talk because Lena's here with a new Braille resource for us. It's Double Tap. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Hello, Double Tappers. There's a new Braille resource online. It's called Braille Brain, and it's by the American Printing House. The APH, American Printing House, is in the U.S., but anyone anywhere in the world who has internet access can use this website. It is designed to help people learn unified English Braille. It is a growing site, and as of this recording, there are 21 units, and they begin with the alphabet, then introduce numbers, punctuation, contractions. When you first go to the website, you will want to Click on instructions because there are some directions specific to voiceover and JAWS. I tested with NBDA and encountered no difficulties. After going to instructions, come back to the home page and then click on UEB Foundations. And that's where you will find your 21 units. And under each unit, there is the material to learn, the braille reading, workout, and the practice. This does not require a braille display. You can enter using a QWERTY keyboard, which means that letter F as in Foxtrot becomes dot one, D delta becomes dot two, S, Sierra, becomes dot three. J, Jack, 
becomes dot four, K kilo becomes dot five, L lima becomes dot six, spacebar is spacebar, and enter is enter. It is definitely a way to learn. It is also a way to practice if you're taking a class. Yes, Stephen, I'm thinking about you. I do wonder okay. how much of your homework has been done. None. I think <laughs> this is a nice resource, and I think it's great that our online collection of resources is growing. If you'd like to learn some Braille, here is the web address. BrailleBrain.aphtech.org Braille Brain is all one word. APH, American Printing House. Tech, what this show is all about. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Lena. Wonderful to know about. I did read about that online. I'm so glad you got in touch and told us more about it. That sounds great. And again, I just think more and more resources uh, are better. And actually, we've got a conversation coming up soon. Uh, about a new product that's coming out as well to help uh, children and indeed anyone learn Braille. And th this I'm really pleased about because oftentimes I, I love it when they say, oh, there's a new education device that's come out for you know children to learn Braille. And it, it's all a bit, you know, plinky plonky, welcome to Braille. And you're like, oh, come on. And I want to use this. You know, I don't want to be sitting there going, bing, bong, bong, bing, bong, bong. You're you not know. a child. You're not his target audience. I know, but, I, but it's like, hang on a minute. If you've, you've spent all this money developing this thing that your children can learn Braille, that's brilliant. Obviously, I'm all for it, 100%. But what about us? What about us older people? Us people who want to hear, not bing, bong, bing, but bong, bong, bing, bong. That'd be better, you know? Make it you know, relevant. That makes sense. Now yeah, you've total cleared sense. that up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense in my head. Um, but yeah, thank you for that, Lena. Do check that out. Uh, did you see the story, Robots Can Now Talk? Have you heard this? Um, no. So Boston Dynamics, you know, they've been developing this robot for a while. It's like this, it's almost like a dog type design. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it can stand up as well. It's, it's uh, this big yellow robot that can kind of walk around. Um, I think it was able to sort of do dance moves and, you know, it could jump and play wow. games and stuff. Anyway, it's now got a voice powered by ChatGPT. Well, what isn't powered by ChatGPT? <laughs> I'll tell you what isn't. Me. And if you listen to this show regularly enough, you'll understand that. Uh, but anyway, this new update <laughs> gives uh, talking tours of its facility to show off its conversational skills. And you're going to love this, Sean. Best of all, Spot is enhanced by googly eyes and a new moustache accessory. Ableist. <laughs> I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> well, that, my googly eyes. I know that you love sticking googly eyes and everything, so... Um, I do. Yeah, this will see you. Do, do, do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it in action? Oh, this yes, is, please. This is Spot having a wonder about uh, touring or giving people a tour of its facility. Welcome to Boston Dynamics. I am Spot, your tour guide robot. Let's explore the building together. A pleasure to meet you, Matt and Vacha. Shall we commence our journey? The charging stations where... I find the dissemination of knowledge rather rewarding, don't you agree? Now behold the rock... Ah, thank you kindly. This hat has been my trusty companion on many an adventure. To guide and share in verse and tale is a task I relish with... So, obviously, they have oh, different that, voices, right? That last one was a bit scary. That was a bit... Space Odyssey 2000 and something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I have to say, I mean, I kind of like the voices. I think they maybe need to 
personalize it a little bit more. It feels like, I don't know, I was getting a tour guide from a 80-year-old man <laughs> at one point. Actually, so it, the voices are incredible well, on good. chat GPT. Um, there's a selection of about five or four or five on the app itself when I was using it. When I was paying for it, I've stopped paying now. I'm not crazy. But they've got their own personalities. There was one of them that was quite sarcastic and quite um, rude, I'm going to say. But you know what? It was great. I really like that because you choose the voice and the personality came with it. It was absolutely amazing. One of the best TTSs I've ever heard is on ChatGPT. And uh, also in AI news this week, I thought this was interesting, Waymo's driverless vehicles are now available through Uber. Uh, The rollout begins in Metro Phoenix, uh, followed by a rollout in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and then Austin, Texas. So, yeah, you can actually, through the Uber app, get one of the Waymo cars to pick you up, the driverless car in those areas. We are looking at you for a demo using the Uber app. He's in Phoenix, yeah. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, so that would be very. I mean, I know he was maybe using the. I'm guessing it would be the Waymo app to do that, but uh, yeah, definitely. That's not how you got on with that. You know, I I will say one thing about the Uber app. I think it's um, the map part is a bit challenging. That's the bit I always find difficult is figuring out when when it says meet at the pickup point. I always think, aha, where is the pickup point? I've got no idea. So I usually just call the driver and it's fine. That's if they don't drive off at the very thought of having a blind person in their car. That's um, what I was going to say. The, the hardest part for me is where they cancel the uh, the ride mm. as soon as they see you. Yeah, that's I've never had an Uber. It's not It's not always because of guide dogs. I've noticed this. I've no, had no. it myself. I've had it a few times. And, of course, you could say, well, how do you know it's because you're blind? But And I don't know. You know, it's one of those things we're not we're not really sure, but we kind of, we kind of do know. Yeah. Your rider is nearby. Oh, your rider's oh, been cancelled. Oh, he's gone. Oh, a car turned up and then drove away again. <laughs> hmm. Could and oh my drive. Oh, it's been cancelled. Oh, could it be? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's quite interesting. So uh, the Uber app, though, I do find quite good, and I love the way that when you're going, especially if you're at the airport or whatever, as you're going through your your day with it. Um, I was in Amsterdam for the CES, and you know, I use Uber for that, and. I tend to use Uber when I'm away because I don't. There's no Uber nearby to me where I live. is is out in the sticks, so there's no Uber cars here. If I'm in the city, that's fine. If I'm in a city, it's great. Um, but I love the way when the car's coming to you, it actually counts down the the meters that, or whatever it is away from you. So it'll actually you know be like ten. You know, it'll say right, hundred meters, useful? ninety, eighty, seventy. Well, it is for identifying if a car. If if you're in a, an airport, for example, it's quite difficult because there's so many cars around. But it does give you an indication that if a car pulls up near you, that yeah, the chances are it's possibly yeah. your car. That's a good start. I mean, it's better than we've had before. So what was the last 10 yards problem, right? Where is the car? Where is the thing? So having that mm. knowledge to know the car is at least there rather than just constantly listening out for your name to be shouted or hoping you don't miss it, I think that's great. When you're in the car as well, it's giving you information about your journey when you're arriving in Amsterdam, it would say to me, I don't know if this happens, or I'm sure it does happen around the world, but it said to me, for example, uh, you'll step out of the car to your right, um, be aware of cyclists. And I thought, you know, it's just that little bit of information that you're getting, which, you know, I thought that was really clever. I love that. that oh, I totally agree. All this extra information, and it does it in real time. And I don't think I've had an experience with an app like that outside of Uber makes all the difference right absolutely i totally agree I, I say i've never had an uber i have once and that was with you and the reason i say uh, is that really useful that how many meters away is we were doing it in central london mm. and i remember 
okay, your Uber is here, but he's down a back street and down behind some building somewhere, and we had to go searching for it. I think there was a bin somewhere, and we had to find that, and then yeah. we could meet him behind the bin. <laughs> yeah, was... I must admit, it was getting a bit nerve-wracking, because you're thinking, you're, you know, we're kind of coming off this main road into almost like back end of nowhere, that's a little bit unnerving for me, you know, as, especially what? as a blind guy. You know, it's two. I mean, two blind guys. Okay, we can both we can both take them on, Sean. Yes, but... of course we can. <laughs> Not run away. I believe be like that fight scene and see no evil, hear no evil. <laughs> Three o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, quarter past four. Um... <laughs> no, but that's the point. If, to be honest, if I was on my own, I wouldn't have bothered. I, I, I'm never mm. going to find it. Um, I I just, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to find it down, walking down an alley and it just wouldn't happen. So, uh, okay. For London, especially London, because of course you have so many of the black cabs driving around, I would say New York as well, LA, you know, big cities uh, that have got the the cabs running around. The best thing I ever bought cost me like $3 and it's a, a yellow card which is like luminous yellow with taxi printed on it in big black letters with a cutout yep. so you know which way up to hold it. And that has honestly saved me on so many occasions because I could just stand, hold that card up, and within a couple of seconds, a taxi just pulls up. And I remember the taxi drivers used to say, that is the best thing you could ever have because... Everyone I should have it. Well, it was interesting because I didn't realise I was actually standing at a bus stop so if I'd have put my hand out, the taxis would have ignored me because they would have thought I was flagging down a bus. Ah, of course. Yeah. So without that card, I would have been just standing there wondering why I have lots of buses asking where I want to go, but no <laughs> taxis. Um, and, you and you also know, get I just, bus I, cards as well. Just you can, yeah, but you know that's just, just don't get me started on this. Honestly, okay. it try, oh, it, wow. I, 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 this is a controversial area for me because the problem is bus. What does that mean? Yeah, if you only have one bus where you live. And I used to, where I live right now, there, there used to be just one bus, just one bus driving through the <laughs> darkness. Um, my favourite well, Barry Manilow song. Do um, you have to pay for that? No. Okay, uh, that's fine. Definitely. Even Barry Manilow's like, do you know what? Keep it. That's yours. Um, but honestly, one bus, that was it. So you could hold up a bus sign and that'd be fine because it would. T- the bus driver would, I guess, be smart enough to figure out, oh, he must want me. Um, he's at a bus stop. He's holding out a card that says bus. I yeah. think we can put this together. Uh, but when you've got like 12 bus routes, that's a bit more tricky, right? It's like you, well, you almost feel like it, it becomes like a comedy sketch. It's like, you know, you hold up bus and then there's another sign that says, no, not you, next one. Um, no, yeah, but the, the, the point is that, you know, you, you do need to flag down some buses, right? You put your hand out, otherwise they won't stop. Yeah, but that's... If you can't see the bus coming or there's multiple buses, simply holding out a sign and they all stop and at least shout out at you, this is the whatever number bus, that's that's useful. Yeah, well, I used to... I I mentioned this before, but I used to have this little black card, which was... Honestly, this was such a clever thing. You had like a little Velcro strap on the back so you could hold it. You could hold it up. And it it was magnetic. So it was a black front. You had these little white... Uh, numbers that you would just stick on the front and you would just create this. So if your bus was the 240, then you would put the 240 on the front. Sounds good. And you would just go out and, and that was it. And that worked for me. That was perfect until I lost zero. Um, that was... <laughs> that limited you somewhat. Can I just I say... I could only get the 24 and then draw a zero. I think these things cut the, are... Cut the, cut the tail off the nine. Calm down. I think these things are fantastic, <laughs> except I refuse to wear them around my neck. 
I don't know why. I'm not wearing it around my neck. Yeah, but you do. But you get these with string around them, and you hang yeah. them around your neck. I, I don't know. For me, that just seems that's a, a different level. Why? I, I go, um, listen. It goes back to my point. I've raised this many times. I do not understand the connection and correlation between lanyards and blind people. There's a, there's somebody somebody somewhere started this, and whoever you are, you should hang your head in shame. You love a lanyard. I love a lanyard, but, no, you know, but it you feels go. like everything. Yeah, but that's a, that's okay if it's a choice. There's lots of people I know who work in offices. They love the lanyards. You know, it's like, oh, I've got a lanyard on. Look at me. Um, but no, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm like, why is this every product that we buy come with a lanyard? And the most bizarre products that come with lanyards. I don't get it. Why? What is this thing with lanyards? Why do we have to wear everything we around our everything. necks? Well, look, it's different if there's some sort of disability where you you know you may struggle with motor coordination or you can't hold things up. I get it, but it just seems like oh, you're blind, then we'll put this around your neck because obviously you don't know what you're actually wanting. It's just I don't know. There's something about it that that makes me cringe a little bit. What do you think of the sunflower scheme? Have you heard about this? Uh, I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it is. So go on. So if you use airports a lot or. I guess, train stations as well. Basically, there's a sunflower scheme. Now, I don't know how broad this is. I think it's fairly broad. Uh, You get this lanyard. You get different things. And actually, it's well worth mentioning this because for people who are interested in it, it's good to know there's options. Because we talk about the lanyard thing. Sometimes when you go to an airport, they'll give you this lanyard that you can wear, which has got sunflowers on it. And the whole sunflower thing is to represent disability, supposedly. I don't quite get that. But okay, so I don't know where sunflower comes into it, but I'm sure someone will tell me. Uh, but basically, you get this sunflower lanyard, and it's supposed to be that if you were walking around, say, a shopping mall or a train station, and you were having issues, people would recognise that and say, oh, okay, maybe need some extra assistance. Um, I find it weird that this is the solution that people have come up with, um, because we talk a lot about this whole hidden disability thing, and, you know, people... I was going to say, isn't that you know, lots of people, invisible you know, disabilities? Well, yeah, there's invisible, there's hidden, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to look at disability. Because, look, in my days, when I was in my 20s and I didn't use a cane because I thought I was fine, and I probably was, actually, when I think about it, I was better than I am now. Certainly, I couldn't go out the door oh, without yeah. a cane. But yeah. then I could. You know, if I needed extra assistance, I always felt really awkward asking. And, of course, there was then that... that Point, that transition point where you go from needing assistance, you know, or, or not needing assistance to needing it more and you just yeah. don't know how to ask. You know, yes. that, that lanyard sounded like a good idea to me because it kind of explains something without having to go into it. Oh, I totally agree. So uh, I quite like it. But the, the point I would But you're make not keen it... on this wearing this around your neck thing, right? Uh, no, no. But look, even with my mobility long cane... People still don't quite understand. Yeah, I still have a, a, instances where people just point or whatever. They don't get it. So I'm not sure that a sunflower lanyard would, if that's its intended use, to, to show that this is a disabled person. I don't know. Yeah, well, like I say, I don't know how around the world uh, this is used, if if indeed at all. Um, I do I do think it's a good idea. I know a lot of countries are developing um, schemes with this, so they are using it. The reason I mention it, though, is because is you know you're talking about the lanyard, but you can actually buy different types of uh, basically different types of sunflower options. So it doesn't have to be a lanyard; it could be one of those um, wrist bracelets you can buy. I quite like that idea, actually. I think I'd have one of those. Yeah. Um, 
You can get a card as well. You can get there's lots of different things that the they offer. The idea behind it, the concept yeah. behind it, is absolutely solid, absolutely. But how how recognisable is it to Joe Blogs in the street? Well, I, this I, is. That's yeah, I don't think it's for. I, actually, I don't think it's for that. I think the intention here is so that people in stores, people in train stations, people who've been trained. I mean, there's a great irony in all of this that, you know, if people have been trained, and, and this kind of really throws the argument out the window whenever people talk about uh, guide dog refusals, right? Because if you say, well, hang on, if you've trained people to recognise a sunflower, you couldn't just also mention that, you know, guide dogs are, you know, needed. And oh, That is exactly is, the situation you know, like... I was talking about with the long cane. <laughs> I was in a, 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 a train station looking for a particular platform Use my uh, smartphone to look up my train, the time, and what platform it was on. Get to the barriers, and I ask uh, one of the people there, you know, oh, can you tell me where platform two is? And I was, you know, <laughs> it's there with the big two. <sighs> and it's like, I held up my cane. said, yeah, you know, I'm blind, right? Didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. And it's like, how can you, I've got a five-foot white stick in my hand. How can you not? realize something but you know what people don't it happened to me and my wife we were in a, a store in a, a, a shop and uh she was asking where a particular thing was and yogurt was or something and the guy pointed it's over there she's standing with a guide dog and she yeah. says look I, I i could you help me because i'm i'm and she's she's trying not to say the word blind because some people just struggle with that word sometimes but yeah and i get that 100 percent. and she's like I need I need some help. I, I, and he's like, yeah, okay, uh, sorry, yeah. So it's um it's up there and then over there. And now look, I don't expect people to know how, what language, all that. I get people struggle themselves, right? We we all have problems. We all have our own ways of dealing with things. But to just not even understand the basic concept of what blindness is, just it, it confuses me sometimes. And you know, she was clearly asking for assistance. She wasn't. You know, she, it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game show like, okay, I'm going to play Guess the Disability with you. You've now got 10 goes. You know, that wasn't what was going on there. So it was just so confusing why she was having um, so much difficulty with him on that. But yeah, it does happen. It really does. And it maybe does, this is yeah. a solution to it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, look, I suppose we should talk some tech at some point. Uh, Graham got in touch. Um <laughs> Graham got in touch regarding the digital recorders we've been talking about. Um, I was mentioning the whole DM770, and then we had someone get in touch and say it's actually the DM720 in the States, I think. Well, here's Graham from Toronto weighing in. Hi, guys. I was interested in the Olympus voice recorder that you've been talking about recently, but found it to be somewhat expensive for what I wanted it for. Some of your listeners may be interested in the Wilson digital recorder, which is available from a company in Scottsdale, Arizona, for $51.95 US plus shipping. It is very suitable for blind and visually impaired users. It will store multiple recordings up to eight hours total time and is very simple to use. Physically, it's approximately two inches by two inches by a three-quarter inch deep and easily fits on a belt or in the pocket. A web search for the Wilson Digital Recorder should find it. I have been using the Model 8 for a few years. The latest is version 10. They also have another recorder, which is the size of a credit card, which is cheaper, but I'm not familiar with it. Graham Langford in Toronto, Canada. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Credit card sized, I like as well. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. I think that might be an interesting one to check out. I, I did, I Googled it 
and I got uh, getawilson.com. I think that's it. Um, Are you sure? Got, yeah, no. He'd have said anyone uh, anywhere. We shouldn't. Well, yeah, it's the personal <laughs> digital voice recorder. Simple to right. Makes a great gift. Um, oh, so, it's yeah. put it on the gift guide. Put it on the gift guide, yeah. We're going to talk about that, actually, a bit later. Uh, but speaking of this, uh, Greg in Pennsylvania got in touch regarding the confusion between the two devices. Hello. I'm just writing to clarify a minor discrepancy. The Olympus DM720 sold in the US is not the same recorder as the DM770 sold in the UK. They are similar. The 720, for example, has half the internal memory of the 770, and there appear to be other minor differences as well. I have no idea why both models are not available in both North America and Europe. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania. Okay, thanks for clearing that up, Greg. It's one of those... Uh, weird anomalies, isn't it? Why, why a, a particular model wouldn't be available somewhere else? I don't know at all the reason for that, especially if it's just for the storage. Yeah, I don't get it. You know, so it's also one of those. Again, it eludes me sometimes the logic behind this. But then I think ultimately what they've done is they, they, they obviously do sell a range of them. That range is depleting. People are just not buying them. It's as simple as that. And so therefore, eventually, we're going to lose out, and it's just going to go. Um, I mean, we seem to have just one choice left from Olympus, and that's it. Um, I mean, there may be two devices, but there's only one available in the US and one available in the UK, it would appear. And mm. I guess that would be the same uh, around the world. Different uh, different versions are being left behind. Yeah, it's a shame. It really is. Um, Sonia got in touch. Now, you, you might remember me asking the question. I thought Lena had bought the six MX Keys keyboards. Um, but actually, I was wrong. I know that's shocking. <laughs> Breaking but news. We'll get over it. It's fine. We'll manage. We'll survive. We'll carry on. Uh, it was actually Hi, Sonia. Tappers. I'm Sonia from Quebec City, Canada. I'm the one who bought six MX Keys keyboards. Funny consequences of that MX spree. Amazon is now sending us Amazon business ads. Lol. <laughs> actually, two of them were for my partner, one for home and one for her workplace desk. I have two at home and one at my desk at the office. The sixth is a backup. See, I'm a JAWS user, using a desktop layout, and the number pad key broke. For work, I use a lot an app that forced me to frequently switch between the JAWS and the PC cursor, so that was quite a problem. So I bought a new keyboard. Then, after receiving it, I thought, it's only a pin broken, why not glue it to the switch? So I did, and have been using that keyboard ever since. So the replacement wow. became the backup. I love my MX keys. In particular, I find the shape of the keys very comfortable. It is a pleasure to type on. Only downside is the odd placement of the application key. I could remap it on my home PC, but I didn't because of muscle memory. I can't install sharp keys or a Microsoft Power Toys on my work laptop. Stephen mentioned the MX key's low profile and Sean mentioned the absence of legs to rise it. I found what is, for me, the perfect solution. I have a Focus 40 in use, in case. I mostly use the Braille row, using it to read, so I place my keyboard on top of it, just above the Braille row. The battery of the keyboard fit quite perfectly behind the focus, rising the keyboard just a little. Perfect. Well, that's enough for now. Thank you, Stephen and Sean, for always the fun show. And thank you, Laura, for reading this. I hope you appreciate a good keyboard love story. I imagine it would help hanging out with Mr. Scott. Sonia. <laughs> That's amazing, and well done on the repair. I'm always scared to touch a keyboard. If I lose a key, I can never get it working just right, so well done. Well, you know me with the Logitech G915 that I pulled yes. out from the cupboard and all the cheese keys fell grated. off. Yes. Yeah, I basically <laughs> cheese-grated a keyboard, which didn't go down so well. Uh, no, I do love my MX keys, and uh, clearly you do too, Sonia. Do you know, it's such a smart move, actually, if you think about it. Just have the same keyboard everywhere. 
That's actually the best way because then yeah. you, you, muscle memory just works. I totally agree. Totally yeah, agree. Love it. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, don't forget the Express is back tomorrow. Oh, come on, Sean. Oh, uh, Express sorry. Express is back tomorrow. Harp, harp. Thank you. <sighs> sorry, it's the end. Are you, are you regressing? I've woken up and you've just, you, you're regressing there. Is that how it works? Yes. Only one of us can sit with 100% energy all the time. Uh, listen, we're back on Monday. Lots of great conversation to continue, of course, with. Keep your feedback coming over the weekend. We'll catch you Monday. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.